Pablo Escobar uh, and that show on Netflix really brought to the forefront the drug trade and just how hectic it really was. And, and, and you find out that some of these stories are very much true. They're not. Well, we always read the headlines and you go, that, you, that cannot be happening anywhere in the world. And yeah. then when you see the documentaries, you're like, oh, wow. Severed fingers and people getting dumped in rivers and mm. all this stuff. Um, so we're going to speak to a man right now who worked for Pablo Escobar um, and he's got a book out. It's called Pure Narco. His name is Luis Navia. Good morning. Good morning. What exactly Good did morning, you do? Good, Good morning. morning. Well, what did you used to? I was going to say for, for work, really. Um, what, what? How were you involved in the drug trade? How were you? My thing was transportation. I was strictly involved in logistics of getting product from point A to point Z, and I provided all the equipment and everything involved. I asked them for nothing. I just asked them to place the merchandise at a specific strip mm-hmm. where I had a relationship with the owner of the airstrip or a certain port where I had a relationship with the owner of the offloading um, location. Mm-hmm. And I would deliver to wherever, whether it was the United States, Canada, Europe, Jamaica, Belize, Guatemala, Mexico. That's what I, I would take care of. Uh, I would use all my connections, all my equipment, all my people to get product from point A to point Z. My thing was transport. Authorities have said that over the 25 years that they believe you uh, transported cocaine to a, st- a street value um, close to $10 billion. Would you say that's accurate? <clears throat> Depends what street. there's a a street in Columbus, South Carolina and there's a street in Beverly Hills Mm. I guess it's Beverly Hills no, yes, (laughs) it is Uh, all kidding aside yes, yeah we should say too, Lewis we we don't what they confiscated in Venezuela was 25 tons wow so I mean, Mm. you know, it's crazy we should say, Lewis, we don't condone and we're not definitely not celebrating what it is that you did. You are obviously a, a convicted criminal um, for what you've done. N- now that you're out of jail and you're out of the trade, do you think about the lives that you helped ruin by transporting drugs? Do I think about it every day? No. Uh, because you have to be realistic. I mean... Does Ford Motor Company think about the lives they've ruined by building cars or do the weapons manufacturers think about the lives they've ruined, the pharmaceutical companies? No. I mean, I was young. It was a business. And there's a lot of bad businesses around the world. And some are legal and some are not legal. Just because they're legal doesn't mean they're good. Mm. The pharmaceutical business is terrible. Outrageously bad. Mm. Politicians are terrible. Outrageously bad. They take the pub- public's good faith and just completely rape it. Okay, so does that justify them? Does that justify me? Does that justify them because they're legal? Legal doesn't mean anything as far as morality goes. I was an honest person in an illegal business. There are a lot of illegal um people like me, but there's a lot of dishonest 
people in legal businesses. Now, I lost a cousin to a cocaine overdose because it was laced with fentanyl. Mm. Yes, I'm sad. It affects me. You know, I do have feelings. But, you know, I'm working and it's my job and I'm in love with what I did. Uh, yes, it's got its bad points. You know, look at all the bad things we've heard about Facebook. Mm. Facebook now is not the total cleanest, best, beautiful, you know, company for the human element that there exists. If you work for Facebook, are you going to quit your job? Because suddenly Facebook is not the beautiful company it was set out for men out to be. Yeah, no. make, make a good point. Um, we were talking about it um, before we were chatting to you. When you're in this world and it's high stakes and, and people around you are getting killed and you're constantly maybe going to get caught by the police, is it possible to relax in that situation? Do you get Does it get normal for you? Are you, are you just constantly on edge 24-7 just sort of waiting for it all to come undone? Look, my part was transportation. My stress was related to transport not being together, certain elements of the transport, logistics not being in place. That stressed me out, and I had to deal with that. Mm. I was not in the part of, you know, we're going to kill some guy and we can't get to him because now he's got new bot. No. Um, so, yes, there's stress. I, I'm in the construction business. I think I have more stress today in the construction business. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> <laughs> Permits aren't in place. The railings aren't in place, and they may not pass inspection than I did before. Mm. But stress, there's always stress. I had a family life. I tried to, you know, deal with stress the best I could. It was a 24-7 business, just like it is now. Mm. I turn off my phone. If I didn't turn off my phone... Some construction guy would call me at 12 midnight. He doesn't care. It's crazy. And now I'm involved with this COVID business with PPE. They'll call you at 6 in the morning, 3 in the morning, because we deal with China. We deal with Europe. With the time differences, you know, some guy from China will call you at 3 in the morning. So it's like from cocaine to COVID. <laughs> you know, it's all crazy. We do hear... But, uh, Go ahead. We hear a lot of authorities on how we can win the fight against drugs. You know, they say that they can, the war on drugs, how it can be solved. Do you have any solutions as to what they're doing now in any way? Is it going to help? Yeah, it's very easy. Eliminate the word war. Eliminate the word war. Because you can't win that. Right. It's been proven. When you put war into that equation, that's it. You're done. Your, your, your focus, your mentality, your attitude is a defeated one. So eliminate war and just legalize the damn thing, tax it, and control it. How do you gain control over your enemy? Control your enemy. Mm. Don't, you know, fight it head on. How are you going to fight? A 22,000-headed dragon. Mm. Are you nuts? <laughs> it's been proven. I mean, there's companies that are paid billions of dollars to think, like the RAND Corporation, think tanks, the State Department. They know this. They know it. 
but it's a hard pill to swallow because it's a political pill. You know, what politician in his right mind is going to go out right now and say, I want to legalize cocaine? You know, that's a losing election. Mm -hmm. So it's political. And when you bring political into the equation, then there's corrupt and there's compromise and it's not a clean deal. So this has all become political. So the war on drugs is not a clean war. Right now, we're chatting with Luis Navia. He um, helped transport drugs for Pablo Escobar. Uh, He's got a book, Pure Narco. You lost a lot of friends who were in this business and and quite graphically. Um, And I'm sure you explore it in the book, but what actually happened to some people that you know who were dealing with these drug gangs and these drug lords? Well, they they died a natural death, you know, a death natural to the business they were in. Wow. So what can I tell you? You know, we work for the Medellin cartel. Anybody that died as a result of being dishonest or having some kind of problem, uh, they knew who they were getting in bed with. They knew that there could be collateral damage. They knew that there could be under- misunderstandings, and they knew what was at risk. Is it true like when you buy a home yeah, and it... you overextend yourself? You know what's at risk. The bank's going to repossess your home. Mm. Is it true that you nearly got fed to crocodiles? Yes. What happened that day? It is. <laughs> Bad day at it work. It was a misunderstanding. It was a misunderstanding. You know, uh, I was in Cancun. I was picked up by the guy who ran Cancun for the uh, Juarez cartel, and he thought I was in Cancun working um, under the radar. Because back, back then, when you worked in Cancun, you had to pay them. And it was a misunderstanding in communications, and he didn't believe me, and this and that. Just so happens that the night before, I was playing pool and lost $250,000 to his major transporter. And I told him, what do you mean under the radar? When I was last night playing pool with your major transporter, he, and I lost $250,000 to him. If I would have been here under the radar, do you think I'd be playing pool with your major transporter? Now that can't be true. That's crazy. They grabbed me and they were taking me to the crocodile. I was dialing Hill's number, but, you know, we had been drinking all night. Yeah, I just, I'm always an early riser no matter what. And this guy was hungover. Finally, he got on the phone and when, you know, Metro, the guy that picked me up and who was the uh, head lieutenant or the head guy over there in Cancun, got him on the phone and he told him that he was grabbing me and feeding me to the cracker. I said, what? <laughs> you crazy? Don't do that. He owes me 250000 <laughs> And he couldn't believe it. Lucky. He was like flabbergasted. Yeah. What was your time in jail like? Did you end up even having to assist the police further? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, no. And, you know, this is a, a no-losing proposition. And remember, I worked for the Colombian cartels, and Colombians laid the ground rules. Back in 1998, when the head of the cartels met in Panama to cut deals with the DEA and the U.S. government to lessen their sentences, there was already an air of cooperation from the top heads of the Colombian cartel. Nobody swears a blood oath here. and it, It's all a business. And in business, you've got to minimize your losses. In this case, doing time. So 
from 1998 on, even a little earlier, cooperation was always on the table on the part of the heads of the Colombian cartel. And when I got arrested, I wasn't fully aware of that, so I sent my wife to Colombia to talk to my major suppliers and tell them, this, this guy's arrested, you know, and he's willing to do the time, but, you know, what's the story? Are you guys going to come out and kill me in Mexico, kill my kids? And mm. ah, tell him to do what he has to do. It's all over. You know, we're all going to cooperate anyway. And uh, it's just try, try to get out as soon as possible and lessen the, uh, the load. So Colombians have always uh, been business people. And uh, negotiating with the government here in the United States is just one more negotiation you have to deal with. Do you believe now um, that there is some, you know, there's there's some organization as big as what Pablo Escobar had going in operation today? Individually, no. Pablo was amazing. And the Medellin cartel in its heyday was amazing. That's why the U.S. government, the CIA, the Colombian government, the Cali cartel, the paramilitaries, Don Berna, Carlos Castaño, they all had to get together to nail Pablo. Mm. Nobody on his own was going to nail Pablo. Pablo was unique. The Medellin cartel is a, a classic story in history. No, there's a lot of people working in Colombia. Colombia right now is exporting to places like we never exported to, like India, China. They're opening Australia. Australia is getting bombarded with cocaine right now. Mm. Uh, markets that we never dreamed of because we were doing Mexico and U.S., Mexico, U.S., Europe, Mexico, U.S., Europe. But right now there's markets out there that are amazing. The middle class in India right now has tremendous purchasing power. They're flooding India, flooding China, you know, Australia. New markets. Mm. But uh, like the Medellin cartel, there will never be another one like it. Well, mate, we thank mm. you for your time this morning. Pure Narco is uh, your book. It's all about your life and your time working for the drug cartel and trafficking um, cocaine over $10 billion worth. Uh, Luis Navia, thank you so much for your time this morning. Well, thank you. And it's a pleasure. Anytime. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Luis. Thank you. you.